Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Ah, Joe, so excited because guess what, dear listener? (laughs) We have with us the uber-talented writer-director, Sam Wyman, back on the show after I don't even know how long, and I don't even want to think about it because it would be embarrassing. (laughs) We're just so glad you're back. Hey, Sam. (laughs) Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street with you. Yeah. Uh yeah, when we were when Joshua was like we're going to do Nightmare for January because we've been doing this thing the last few years where every January we dive into a franchise. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, then we have to have Sam back because that was like the first one of the first things he talked about when he was on the show so many years ago." And so it was it's it all kind of worked out. I I cannot believe it's been years. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredible because uh so much of the world is changed. Yeah. No, it's yeah. incredible though. I mean, I'm I mean it's really good to be back because I have really good memories of early on, like it was like right after I'd done the quiet room, I think is when I met you guys. And uh and I was mm-hmm. so everything was so uh I don't know, it was really new and, and it's just funny because Nightmare on Elm Street 3 was such a huge influence on me and uh, obviously my film The Quiet Room. So it's like almost like revisiting this for uh revisiting that movie for this podcast episode was like kind of cool i don't know it was just like reconnecting with this other part of myself that i haven't thought about in a little while um because so much has happened since then oh yeah oh wow i love that i it was funny because when we were watching it because joe you know watched it for the first time with me and you know they keep saying the quiet room you're going to the quiet room and i just you know it's like yeah it's just (laughs) now that movie is so connected with like you and your story and your and your film so it's um yeah i'm looking forward to diving into that conversation in a little bit so but first uh what's new new year New Sam, what you what what what's going on? Any resolutions? We've been discussing resolutions <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> do you do yeah, that? You know, um, I do do resolutions, and I I take them very seriously. Like I I want oh. my I always try and do like an attainable resolution because I feel like it's really easy to just talk about all the things that you want to do to improve because we want so many good things for ourselves and that makes sense but i don't want to let myself down i want to pick something that i can actually really truly do and uh something that my new year's resolution this year um so i, w- I was like oh i'm gonna be more positive right because <laughs> i i want to have more of that in my life and my therapist was like uh so that's not a healthy <laughs> resolution necessarily you might want to translate that to being more honest and balanced with when you talk about things so it's like looking at everything as a whole so that mm. that convoluted statement is my new year's resolution which is just balance um when i talk to people i don't want to just tell them that things are good i want to tell them how i am and i don't want to just tell them that you know the the negative parts of things i want to look at everything in a balanced way um so just be more authentic to myself and be able to vocalize that. <laughs> I love that. tall order. No, but that's great. I feel like it's attainable. <laughs> oh, that's totally attainable. Something that to is, work at, you know. That's totally attainable. Um, I have so similar to that, Sam. I I have a resolution, and it's actually inspired by Joshua. <laughs> um as it, as is most of my life. Um, if you uh, is inspired by Joshua. Um, it's it's why I have like like. That's why things are going so badly for you. (laughs) It's why I have a dozen black Um, (laughs) t-shirts. So one thing that Joshua said um, a few like last month was something about how like avoidance is the biggest, the most attention you can give something is by avoiding it, right? Like avoidance is the most Mm -hmm. energy and attention you can give something. So one of the resolutions... Um, I know just my, I had to sit, I was huge. I had to sit with it for a very long time and like mind blown, um, like driving back home, just being like, okay, I'm, this is, it's incepting in my brain. I am Marion Cotillard in Inception and, um, (laughs) hopefully it doesn't end that way. But what, what that means though, is as far as like my resolution is like, okay, if I recognize that I am practicing avoidance or that I am avoiding something to, 
sit with it and address it head on. So that way I can, because if, if I'm trying to ignore it or release it, the only way to really release it is to address it. Um, this is not something that I've talked about with my therapist, but you know, we'll, you know, I see them, I see him next week. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. This, this sounds, this is a one, a great resolution Two, I had to write that down. Because that's, that's it's a the, quotation, the right, Joshua? I, it, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna jump in just to make sure it gets properly. So um, it's from a book called Pizza Girl by Jean Kyung Frazier. Uh, and it's, yeah, I realized that avoidance was the most of amount of attention you could give something. Um, and I read it a couple of years ago and I just, or something like that. I don't know. My sense of time is totally a mess because of like the lockdown and all, like most of us, you know, things that happened last year were five years ago. Um, but yeah, I just love that so much. And I took it on and now it's a big part of my own therapeutic, like as I'm, you know, working on my master's, um, it's a big part of, you know, my own therapeutic orientation. I think I'm going to like make a lovely poster of it and stick it on wherever I'm working as a therapist for clients. Cause um, I bring it up in practice sessions all the time because avoidance is just, yeah, it's very, very powerful um, thing in our lives. Just trying to not think about something and then you're consumed by it. So might as well try our best to meet things head on. <laughs> um, Speaking of, I love that. Uh, speaking of consumed, um, I wanted to know if there's anything from last year's culture, whether it was horror or not, that you didn't get to that you're kind of trying to get to in this like first couple months. For me, uh, case in point for me, it's Yellow Jackets. I just saw there was some news about Yellow Jackets today. And I have literally I, I love reading like you know, BuzzFeed's 29 shocking TV finale endings or whatever. But every time I see something about Yellow Jackets, I always scroll up because I don't want to be spoiled. Um, and so for I've not seen anything. It's on my list. It's nice and cold and rainy right now in San Diego. So I feel like this is the time to really dedicate to that world. Uh, but I wanted to pose the group pose to the group. Is there anything from last year that came out that like you haven't done yet that you want to, that's you're trying to get to, but you also are okay if you don't <laughs> like, it's not like, I, I want to get first? to yellow. Ja I want to get through yellow jackets because it's such a phenomenon right now. Yeah. Well, I love yellow jackets a lot and I don't, it's, it's almost hard to be spoiled on that show because it's 10 episodes of like all kinds of insane things happening and you still don't really know what the fuck's going on at the end of it. <laughs> so it's delightful. I mean, there, there's some, obviously, I mean, it has a story, it has a plot, but it's just, there's so much stuff going on it that you're just like, what? And now I have to wait a year for the next, like what is going on in the show? Um, for me, I guess we're kind of getting to it. It was the white Lotus uh, show so I we have our Wednesday club you know TV club group that comes over every Wednesday night and right now we're watching Kindred Octavia Butler um, adaptation on Hulu and then the White Lotus which was you know Kindred is like brand new that just came out uh, but we're watching the White Lotus as well so I'm looking forward to finally understanding a lot of the memes it's kind of like when uh, Game of Thrones was like the only thing anybody was talking about in pop culture. And I had no idea what was going on. Every meme, every image was like <laughs> pulled from Game of Thrones. And I'm just, you know, and then it all kind of synthesized when I actually sat down and watched it. So I feel like that's going to happen with the White Lotus. <laughs> and mine's Game of Thrones. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I, White Lotus and uh, Yellow Jackets are two things I fucking loved this year um somehow i i watched the first season of euphoria and i never got to the second season and it that was my scroll right by it thing where i'm like ah, i i i'll get to this later and didn't so i have to do that that's on my list i haven't and started any us. euphoria either so i might have to before hbo gets rid of it um <laughs> right <'cause>, Ugh. um <laughs> The only, you know, horror wise, I watched the first season of Chucky, except the finale, because that's my toxic trait. Um, I leave shows like <laughs> oh, finales unfinished. I just don't like ends of things. You know, I like the process. I like being in, you know, so it's like a lot of times and I do when I even rewatch shows, I just don't watch the final episodes. I don't know. It's just a weird thing that I do. So I have no issue with I, closure. Um, <laughs> I've never heard of anybody else who does that. 
I have had that problem. Like, do you remember the show Hellcats? It was like, I mean, if anybody wow. remembers it, there, there may be two people watched it. I feel it, like I, I heard about it, but I didn't watch it. It had Ashley Tisdale. She played a cheerleader. It was like, bring it on the TV show. It was on, I think it was UPN at the time. Or yeah. maybe, I don't, I actually, I don't even remember. Who knows what it was on. But this is like 2000s era stuff. I love this show so much that when they canceled it, I couldn't, I had to stop watching because I didn't want my heart broken at the end when there was no more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to this day, I have not seen the finale of uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, Hellcats. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Hold on. I feel like I, I feel like I've seen this. I feel like I've seen this before. <laughs> Joe's going to look it up. No. Okay. Sorry. I'm thinking about Joanna Garcia in a different, she's a cheerleader in a different, like early aughts um, thing. So I'm sorry. It's, it's completely different, but I recognize the name, but I've not seen the show. You know, I think that's the problem. That's how it ended. <laughs> right. It was not me. enough. Not I, enough. I, it's the problem. Fanfare. It was just you. Yes. <laughs> so I need to finish the last episode, the first season of Chucky, and then watch the, the first eight or nine episodes of the new season and then not watch whatever or however many. I don't even know how many episodes there are. I'm guessing 10. So I'll watch the first nine and then leave the other one dangling for <laughs> however long. <laughs> Season two of Chucky is something I have to finish because I started it and um, and somebody who I, I got to, you know, the documentary I worked on for a while, I got to interview a lot of really amazing, incredible actors and Lachlan Watson, who um, identifies as non-binary and was on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, has actually met Don through a panel that I that I did for the doc. And it was just really cool because like uh, the, because wow. the two of them met and now Lachlan is playing my favorite character in the Chucky universe. Um, and so I started watching it and I could not handle the fact that it wasn't out every week. So I'm like, okay, wait till the whole thing is done and just binge it. Yeah. So you and I both. Yeah. Yeah. So and shout out to Lachlan for being incredible. Uh, I can't wait to see the rest. That's awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that because I've seen pictures of uh, Jennifer Tilly uh, sharing like photos on set with Lachlan. And so I'm I'm looking forward to to watching it. I just have to carve the time out. <laughs> I also got to interview Jennifer Tilly, which was like a dream come true. And it gave me this idea. So I, Jordan and I, uh, my friend Jordan, who I do a podcast with um, called Atskirion, she made a joke that we could start a podcast called One Question with Jennifer Tilly. And it's where you ask her one question and she just goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just, and that's it. And honestly, one of the best, uh, coolest <laughs> interviews I have. But yeah, uh, One Question with Jennifer Tilly coming uh, in 2023 with Sam Wyman. <laughs> oh my god, that was like I would love that. Oh, I would love that too. Um that that's like oh, on a recent episode of Z-Way, Z-Way interviews Drew Barrymore and she like starts talking about her European vacation for like 30 minutes and doesn't answer the question. Um <laughs> So, but yes, I uh Jennifer, I, I'm I'm actually kind of shocked that Joshua didn't do the second season of Chucky. Um, because of like how much I think, I think she's in it a lot. I also haven't watched the, I haven't finished. Um, I'm not even current on any Chucky. I think I watched the first two episodes um, and it's all like downloaded. You know how, like when you travel, you have everything downloaded on like your phone and your iPad. I yeah. have all Chucky season one downloaded on my iPad as like a, I'm going to get to it when I get on a plane. Um which is great when you're like on a plane watching horror. Like um, most recently I was on a plane and I watched interview the, the new interview with the vampire and. Oh, how was it? <laughs> you know what? I, I liked it, but I also think that it was like basic enough for me to like it. It was super <laughs> queer. It was it is like, gay as fuck. It's it is gay, gay as, as fuck. fuck. <laughs> but it's also I mean... like, it's also like what it was also like you were watching like a family drama of a couple. It was like watching who's afraid of Virginia Wolf, but with like vampires yep. <laughs> and <like> your <laughs> vampires. But they're a adopted Sold. child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the whole thing yeah. was pitch perfect casting too. I mean, like Eric Bogosian as the 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 reporter who's interviewing him and yeah. um, I don't know his name, but Grey Worm. <laughs> Gray Worm from Game of Thrones as um as Louis. That's it's just really great. Ah. I love that, Joe. I love that you watched it. Uh the Chucky series, I don't know. I mean, you could definitely watch it, but like the one the cool thing about the child's play 
Chucky universe is that it has a really good through line with all of the films. Like they do their, their continuity, especially because they've got Don who's written everything, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Isn't Mm -hmm. he responsible for, so it's, I mean, you kind of need the whole back all the films in a way to, you know, especially the later ones um, to watch. So I'd be curious if you watch Chucky, how much of it you could, um, I mean, I'm sure people watch it without seeing them, but I don't know. I think it's another one of those things. If you know the whole story, it's it just makes it more delightful. Well, knowing that knowing that Jennifer Tilly's in it, and knowing that I, I kind of know who Lachlan plays in uh, in mm-hmm. the series now, so it's like it makes me want to go back and watch like everything from like bride of chucky forward right and yeah then yeah what happened yeah because jennifer tilly it yeah. like plays herself but it's kind of important to know like how that happens and you know that's something that's kind of in the films it's weird i mean she's herself but not but <laughs> anyways some, some point we gotta get we gotta get caught up on those other child that'll be movies. next january <laughs> there we go <laughs> oh my god if it is happy for c to chucky it's my favorite <laughs> so fucking good Okay. Yeah. Seed of Chucky is noted. <laughs> it's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> I really I love I love like Bride, Seed, Cult, Curse. What I, I love. I love them. I think they're a lot of fun. So um all right. Well, then uh are we all caught up? Any other questions, Joe? Any other thoughts? You came out. I love that you like had an idea right away of things to to ask. Well, because I was just I just <laughs> I'm going to let you know, take over the show. <laughs> I, I just wanted to know like what it, it's been lingering in my mind about like things that we've missed, you know? Because like I yeah. I've been I was keeping track um, last year of all of the shows and movies that I watched that were new for that year. And I'm doing it again this year because I thought it was just a really great exercise to also analyze like my habits it's like okay i remember when i watched this movie in theaters and this movie streaming and um i should invest in amc because i think i'm keeping them alive <laughs> by how many times i've been to <laughs> um to amc but um one thing that was one thing that was um I was looking at it, it was like there's so much that I didn't get to, right? Like I didn't get to you uh Euphoria, I didn't get to Chucky, I didn't get to Yellow Jackets, and there was still some and and I got to a lot, but there was still those blind spots. And I was like, I wonder if there's anything speaking to a bunch of people who like love TV and movies, like me, if there's things that like you just want to get to. Like, right, like I'm hope I'm I need to get back on track because Last of Us is coming out soon. And I'm not a video game person, but I do love a zombie flick. I do love a zombie thing. Um, so I'm very excited. I just for that. started playing the video game because I oh. want to play it before it comes out. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Are you I literally just started it yesterday? <laughs> but but oh, do wow. you like video games? Like, is it is yeah. that is that a thing? Okay. I hear because the yeah, I, I hear do. the I gameplay. I never talk about it, but I do. <laughs> okay, I, I hear that the gameplay is really beautiful. And um, our friend Justine, who is visiting here, um, she actually is going to watch. Um, she's going to watch the series because uh, she her ex was like used to play it in front of her, and she thought that the storytelling was also really beautiful. Um, she didn't play the game, but like it was it was it captivated her that much and i thought that was really interesting uh yeah i that's how i it's kind of, actually i had a film professor who um showed some of it as just kind of in our horror class as a way to to shoot a scene even though it was a video game mm-hmm. and i think there are some really cool cinematic elements to it and so i see how that would translate easily into a series so i'm excited mm, okay I might watch it. Just uh, Jeffrey, I don't think ever played that. I'd have to ask him. He's, you know, he's the gamer. Um, but sometimes I, there are some things I've like enjoyed watching him play. So I wonder if he'd be interested in that. I t- I'm going to make him play the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game just because I want to watch. <laughs> I was like, you have to play it. You have to figure it out because I just want to sit and watch all the all the parts to it. Um, but yeah, hmm. Joe, I love that you're lo- that you're loving zombie stuff. That's great. Yeah, I'm fully. I think the biggest we're difference, finding your your horror patronus. Yes, my horror <laughs> patron, zombie. Uh, my <laughs> this is my horror root. Um, I think the biggest difference between like 
now and the first time that Sam was on the show was the fact that like I have a lot more I've seen a lot more but I also understand references a lot better now and I'm like oh this one that's a thing <laughs> that's a thing from this one and then but then like I say that and then look at Joshua and be like right validate validate me <laughs> Isn't that from this? Right, Joshua? Validate. Validate me. Um, That's true. <laughs> and there's still so much more to... There's still so much to get through. Uh, this is true. That we, like the There are so many horror films. So many great horror films, too. So, yeah. There's... You know. I mean... That's a... Uh, what do I want to say? Like, uh, in that t- saying great. Or, you know, it's probably... You know, oh my god, I know, right? Too specific. Like, like I don't want to judge exactly. a loaded word already. No, <laughs> yeah. I, but but honestly, there. I mean, in, even in just in, I was thinking about this, but in 2022, there was just so much great content, so much stuff. Yeah. I just ate up. Now I don't know how, if it was great for everybody else, but for me, <laughs> there was so much to just love, and okay. uh, and so I'm really like, I don't know. I it, it leaves me feeling really hopeful about 2023 because I'm like. Man, if that's how good 2022 was, what's coming next in horror? Because it feels like we're it, we're in the middle of a giant shift. Yeah. I can't I wait agree. to see what comes next. Yeah, it does feel like we're in like this golden era for it. Like horror, I feel, has never been so respected in a way. Like I'm seeing like horror content and coverage happening all over the place, not just in like niche places and, you know, real recognition of, you know, the skills that it takes to make good horror, you know, or like what makes horror work. Um, incredible, like actors and actresses and people, performers doing stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a really, we're in a really cool time. So I hope that continues to grow. <laughs> All righty. Well, then we're going to take a really quick break and we will be back to discuss 1987's Dream Warriors. <laughs> We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. All right, and we are back. So today we are continuing our franchise January. We haven't come up with like a zippy name for it, even though this is the third year <laughs> been doing this. Um, no, franchise January, that that just rolls right off the tongue. It just says what like it that. is. <laughs> <laughs> a very um, practical January. I like that. Yes, yes, yes. Just this is what we're doing. Um, but <laughs> it's been uh, really fun. We're revisiting... Uh, well, for me, revisiting, for Sam, revisiting the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, but for Joe, again, seeing films for the first time. So today we are diving into um, arguably one of the best sequels, I think, in the franchise. I know pretty much everybody asks if, you know, when I say like, oh, what's your favorite of Nightmare on Elm Street? Besides the original, Dream Warriors invariably comes up. Uh, so, yeah, 1987, we've got... Uh, you know, Wes Craven returned. He had not been interested in making a sequel to A Nightmare on Elm Street, but obviously it did so well that they went ahead and made one without him. And we've discussed uh, Freddy's Revenge on the show. You could check that out uh, back there somewhere. I'll put it in the comments. <laughs> Link back to that. Um, but so Wes was convinced to return uh, to write the screenplay along with Bruce Wagner, Frank Darabont, who he's done like a lot of the most successful Stephen King adaptations along with tons of other stuff, right? Isn't that him? Um, I think. Anyways. Yes, yes. Uh, also, Heather Langenkamp returns. We've got Patricia Arquette, Larry Fishburne, delightful. Uh, and of course, Robert England as Freddy Krueger. And this time, you know, a band of teens come together to fight Freddy in their dreams. Joe, what did you think about A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors? And it better be positive. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, could you imagine None of your if I foolishness today? <laughs> could you imagine if I just got on here and be like, I hate it? Um, no, it's not a horror movie. <laughs> it's not a horror movie. Uh, no, very. <laughs> much it is. Uh, 
no, I loved it. Um, I can see why um why it is so beloved. Um it it follows that awesome 80s trope of like a ragtag group of misfits <laughs> like journeys to achieve a goal like i love i love that as a concept and i think it really plays into that um i i thought it was uh so fun and interesting about like the the different powers that they all have and just like introducing that into um into the world uh i love <laughs> I love a Heather Langenkamp serving sh- serving shoulder pad, serving grad student. <laughs> yes. It's just so... Showing up to a funeral and being like, I-, I know this is about you, but it's actually about this outfit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, that with hat. the hat. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like the say something hat that she's wearing at this funeral. Like, it was... It, it also is just... It's... It's interesting because like watching Stranger Things for last year and then watching this now and I'm like, oh, so they just completely cribbed um, their Nancy's, the Stranger Things Nancy's uh, wardrobe from like the from this moment from Dream Warriors, (laughs) like (laughs) like professional internship. Nancy is how they did uh, Nancy's business dress, which I thought was really great. Um, But yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even notice that. I just was like, this is so, it was like I was watching, it was completely pulled from, and, I, and I'm sure that there's some article somewhere, someone's taking the time to to put them side by side, but um, yeah, I loved it. I would watch this again, uh, and I'm interested and curious to see, uh, because we're not doing five and six, right, Joshua? Or four and uh, five? Four and five. Four and we're five not- we're skipping for <gasps> now. For now, oh, it's because the of the Wilcox ones. I, no, we're gonna come back to them because we also have to do okay. Freddie versus Jason. So, like, we're <laughs> ch- it's a lot to try to cram in, but we are gonna watch them. Don't I worry. understand? We're gonna do I them understand. because, especially because Elisa <laughs> got to, got to. But in this series <laughs> for this month, we're doing these. <laughs> oh, Joe, <laughs> get me in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, it's just my girl Lisa. You know I love her. I know. I, yeah, <laughs> and I know. also Believe this me. is a final girl, but we're not here yeah. to discuss that. Keep it to Dream Warriors. I get it. <laughs> um yeah, so well, good, Joe. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, because I too enjoyed it. And I was hoping that you would like it. I always hope that you like the movies. Um, you know, but Again, I always know that even if you don't, I still made you watch it. So, haha. Has there any? Has there been a movie? Like, I, sorry, this is just a random question. Has there been a movie that you were sure that I would love it and I hated it? Mm, I don't think so, because I expect you to not like any of them. Really? Okay. <laughs> I always feel any of them are going to come up where you're like, "This what?" Uh, so I'm always just happy when you do. I try to embrace that side of it and not, you know, hold on to. Um, anger and vitriol about the abyss <laughs> the abyss is not a horror movie um so uh, right, we can't keep doing this i told you my proudest achievement so far on the show is i've i've made him into a true horror fan he is now gatekeeping uh horror oh my god so it's like ah. <laughs> i think that changed <laughs> now we have to uh, now he has to unlearn the gatekeeping aspect but no i'm kidding <laughs> um all right anyways just make sure to, to do it super publicly and on twitter people will love that <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I'm going to hijack our Twitter and be like, here's an opinion. Come. <laughs> Come, everybody. Uh, Sam, tell us of your love of uh, Dream Warriors. Do you remember the first time you saw this? Yeah. I mean, I don't remember all the details, but I do remember like uh, about how it was for me. I was working in Hollywood Video at the time. And, um, and we had a VHS section and a DVD section, but the VHS section was like, a little bit bigger. So as an employee there, as a 17-year-old Sam Weinman, I took it upon myself to go through every single VHS in that section because I wanted to I wanted to see everything that there was to see. And uh, and as a kid, I, I was obsessed with the box art for all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I don't know if you guys ever went into a video store and saw that and were, like it just they were scary and sometimes grotesque and looked fun and it yeah. was just like and sometimes sexy and it's like oh my god i i don't know they just like for some reason they just really spoke to me yeah. so 
when I was finally like I was working at a video store and it's like, oh, cool, then I'm just going to work my way through, you know, back before we could just stream everything. Um, that was a real boon for being there. Um, so, yeah, anyways, I brought that home and I was like, oh, holy shit, I love this because I had just I think I brought home two and three together and I was because I was just going to watch them all in order. Yeah. And uh, and it was um, I had seen one a million times because I had owned a copy of that um, growing up. So um, I think that there was a part of me that was it, that it exceeded expectations because I was like, OK, it's a sequel in a franchise. It's number three. It's not going to be great. Um, so that made me love it. But also there was a part of me that was a little disappointed because it was just I had no idea what to expect. And I feel like younger me was always just like. I don't know about this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but upon watching it again and again, like I, I picked up the box set when I worked at Borders. So my next thing and um, and, and it had every one of them. Right. And and I would watch routinely watch just work my way through it until it, I just started noticing. I just kept watching three and new nightmare. <laughs> and it was kind of like, OK, this is telling me something. Um, I think that part two while it like our wall part two gets the reputation of being the the gay one um i think that part three is equally as queer uh in a different way <laughs> wow I, and i think that's why it spoke to me yeah well i i would love to hear about that <laughs> like, how, like in what, yeah in what way because like for me growing up like I, I i this is one of those movies that came out in 87 so i was three or so i probably saw i mean literally this i have like i think this is the first time i saw like breasts in a film like i think i was like probably six or seven and we we would watch like we'd have these movies playing all the time because my mother loved freddy krueger she was a teenager with zero capacity for like appropriateness for children <laughs> so like i watched like i remember seeing this movie especially many times i have a really firm memory of do you remember when mcdonald's made those like weird potato toys that had the yeah. different things you'd like slide on them. It was kind of like Mr. Potato Head, I guess, but but there were know. chicken nuggets, right? But with yes. little face things that you put in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. I remember I have a really strong memory of getting those and like sitting on the bed, eating my Happy Meal, watching <laughs> this movie <laughs> and with the like you know the puppet guy and like just all the all the elements of it. So it's like it's always been a part of like my consciousness somehow, and I I do love it. It's definitely I return to this and. Um, new nightmare as well, um, the most. Uh, but I never really thought of it other than kind of thinking like that um, Joey was cute. Like I had a thing like for him um, and the older brother in the um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> like yeah. those are some of my earliest like crushes on like boys in in uh, on television. I never really thought of it as being like a queer film. So I I would love to I'd love to have that unlocked for me so I can. <laughs> okay have a new understanding I, mean, <laughs> I will say like i always use the word queer when i'm talking about just like thematically what something is and i tend to use the word gay when i'm just like okay Kristen doing paper mache at 3 a.m that's gay right like <laughs> staying up all night crafting and and hiding coffee so you can do it gay that is who hasn't done that right so that that's what I see. or like nancy's hat at the funeral gay yeah that, that's just it but I think that there are also it's very dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, keep going. I mean, having a dad that's disappointed in you, gay. <laughs> having having your own theme song, like Dream Warriors, and it's so fucking cool. That's gay. <laughs> All of those things to me. I love it. I mean, uh, and but I'm looking at it from a perspective where it's like thinking about Megan, right? Megan doesn't have a single queer character, with the exception of maybe. Uh, Jordan, uh, uh, Brian, Brian Jordan, Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez, yes, yes, um, whom I love, and uh, and I just, and obviously, just him being queer brings something to that role. But even for a movie not having any explicit queerness in it, that movie's gay as hell, you know. And so for me, there's the surface stuff that we can joke about with um, Dream Warriors that I think is like a really good time and definitely makes it movie nightable with me and all my friends. But then there's this yeah. other thing that happens that I think, and it could be tied to my own personal experience too but like i was queer and unable to accept that part of myself i had uh as a teenager i suffered from a lot of depression i was in and out of a lot of psych wards and in those psych wards i met a lot of other queer kids like me 
Um, yeah. Whether I was ready to see that or not, um, some of them were. And that helped kind of push me into a direction where I could I could see that in myself. And in that way, like sitting around in a group and having people tell you, having people sitting around in a group with kids who are being told who they are um, mm-hmm. or being or having who they are be doubted by culture at large um, and, and being in a place like this where um, you have to fight something impossible to survive uh, that felt a lot like my teenage experience and so it's like watching dream warriors was not only obviously you know um there all the fun parts of it are still there uh but there's something special about it to me that Mm. that matched um matched my journey to who i am now and so i can't unlink those things yeah yeah wow i really really love that and you know you're absolutely right it is it is so like it is there like that idea of like when they're sitting around and they're talking about their dreams and it's like, you know, the adults involved are like, we're all having the same dream. Like we all have this same identity. We all are saying we're Mm -hmm. from different places, different types of lifestyles. And we still, you know, in the sense of like the economics or whatever, you know, and we're telling you, this is our reality. And you're still telling us like we're wrong or we're crazy. Or again, I think there's a quote where, um, you know, Sue Snell's mom says that, uh, you know, their dreams are related to guilt. And, you know, basically it's like this morality kind of thing, yeah. which again, easily even brings up sexuality. Sex and, yeah. Sex. And yeah. So we, you're right. Like it is kind of, it is there in, in the film in a way that, yeah, I think I just got <laughs> more of an appreciation for. I mean, I've always liked that part of it. Cause like, if somebody wants to be a therapist, it's like, ah, don't do this. Don't do this to people. Like, <laughs> you know, there's part of yeah. like, these, these people are bad, you know, at their jobs. Um, but again, different time, you know, only 20 years before this, we were, you know, or 20 ish years before this film came out, we were still locking up, you know, everybody in, you know, mental institutions and shocking them until they changed, you know? So it's still in this weird place in time with psychiatry and with uh, psychology. Um, But yeah, thinking about it in that way. And then, yeah, with your lived experience, this, I mean, that does make this movie much more powerful. And even outside of like something as like, I don't think, um, I don't want to just like, you know, put up walls and be like, yeah, you'll go into a psych ward. Cause it's like, okay, <laughs> there's only so many right. uh, people that are going to feel that way. Uh, but with, of course. but with, there is something about this movie too, where it's like, these kids have something inside them that they all are there to get, they're all put there because of this thing that is, has not been a good thing in their life. Right. But what yeah. they discover is that there's something inside them that gives them strength and makes them special. And together, they they come together to do something. And I think even like, you know, in a simple way, it's like discovering that you have magical powers. That is queer fantasy, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. that's the, that goes back to Carrie. And it's like, what do I like about that? I, you know, it, it's, it's that thing inside that, that allows you to be strong and allows you to fight back and really kick some ass. And in this movie... You know, they're all at the very bottom of the barrel, like they're uh, the the lowest in their life. And that's when they discover that they have this power, you know, and each one is individualized to them. Not that they all have a power, but or the same power, but it's like each specific thing. And to me, that's queer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in a world where you know, the, like the crushing weight of like heteronormativity you know it's so oppressive it's like it does feel like this giant monster of like i just want to live free of you know pain and violence and suffering just for being you know who i am however you got to that place however you became who you are you know we should be uh free from (laughs) terrorism uh of it so i no, i really love that and i appreciate as always you being candid and open about those sorts of things because obviously we're still i mean you know, it's 2023 now, and we still have a lot of issues talking about things like this and being, you know, oh yeah, open. So I just, I just always appreciate you know me, I, your honesty about mental that. health. Is yeah, no, thank you, because you know, I, I had to make a decision really early on when I was promoting the Quiet Room, and it's like, do I promote this just as like a I'm a horror filmmaker where it's like I'm just gonna I made a scary thing, or am I gonna tell people that this movie's my story? You right. know, and that's what I decided to do because it's like I don't want to. 
I don't want to have to be less in order for something to be successful. I'd rather be successful on my own terms. And so, and I think mental health, if, if anything is ever going to change with the stigma that surrounds it, it starts with us speaking about it in a way that's honest and, um, and inclusive of not just what our experience was then, but who we are now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Joe, I, th- I think I started to cut you off or you started to say something. Oh no, I'm just, I'm just nodding a lot. I'm just saying yes. yes. She's just having her mind blown. I, like, I mean, oh, I love wow. the distinction to go back a little bit. I love the distinction uh, between queer and gay. Um, I feel like, oh, well, one, I feel like there needs to be a distinction, right? Because there it's, um, I think we're, a lot of people use them interchangeably. Um, I know I'm guilty of that sometimes, but to, uh, but to see something, uh, to to have you explain it in the way that you did, I'm like, yes, I know exactly. You're like, gay, that's gay. <laughs> this is queer. Um, like, it, it's it's it, it it's a fun thing that you can play. It's like when my younger sister used to ask me, "What does basic mean?" and I would be like, "Oh, basic is like you know, like." Ugg boots and pumpkin spice lattes. And she's like, but those are just nice things. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> you might, you might be, you might be then my sister. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of like, uh, here's a, here's a fun question for everybody. Um, So when you're thinking about Sam, you brought up like the powers that are individualized to them, they're coming from inside of them. Um, if you were in, if you were a dream warrior, well, Sam, you actually are a dream warrior, but like, if you were in the film, (laughs) what do you think your power would be in the dream world? Um, so for me, I would think that my power would be, I would run really fast because that is something that I definitely cannot do (laughs) in the real world. Um, and I feel like that's something that in my dreams, when I think about also when I dream, uh, I often have dreams where I'm like running really fast, either away from something, but mostly it's towards something. Uh, so I feel like that would be my, that would be the way that I, you know, get Freddy <laughs> or Freddy, uh, Freddy can't get me is by running away. Uh, so posing that to the two of you, uh, what do you think your dream power would be? Hmm. Sam, you got an answer to this already? Yeah, I think, well, I, I, yeah, my, my first instinct is that it would have to do with storytelling. Um, I think in my dreams, I would fight that way. Um, where mm. it's like, if I could um, trap somebody with a story like Freddie or, but really, I, honestly, I think it'd be more manifesting. Like, what if the words on the page could become um, exactly what you dream them to be you know mm-hmm. i think that would be a pretty cool power like manifesting through storytelling mm. yeah that's reshaping good. yeah reshaping but i don't like want to say i can't do that in real life either because it's like by the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is your power I, you know yeah. that that's kind of like my whole thing when i think about it anyways right i mean it's like just keep doing it until it's real <laughs> i love that i mean I, I, god Oh, no, go ahead. No, 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 no. Finish your thought. I, I, I want to hear. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say um, the character who is obsessed, Jennifer, who's obsessed with Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when I first saw this movie and it's like, oh, she's delusional. She's crazy. She's in there telling everybody she's going to be a movie star. Now I watch it and I'm like, oh, my God, Jennifer has what it takes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> she's out there and she won't let anybody tell her that 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 her dream is impossible. And right. that is literally what it takes to have a dream like that come true. And I and I think that uh, and watching it this time around, that really stood out to me. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And it made her and honestly, it made her death like a little more heartbreaking because I'm like, oh, I want to cast you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have the you have the just the right amount of delusion, right? Like the right amount of. Yeah. Uh, it's like that right amount of confidence and delusion that you need um, to have to to be uh, to really try to make it and to have that it thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have to believe in yourself, you know, and like fuck people who say that you can't do it. Um, so I agree. I, I do think hers is very tragic because everybody so openly mocks her, and you just you want her to live and to you know 
come back in a sequel is something, you know, uh, yeah. I, Joe, I don't really know. I mean, part of it, like I really kind of work on like lucid dreaming. I love uh, to like, tr- you know, it's sort of trying to like control what happens in my dreams. So there's part of me that's like, they're, I'd want to be that. Like I could like just take control from Freddie, you know, and like mm-hmm. do what I guess it's kind of related to what you're saying, Sam, like be able to manipulate the the space, you know, that Freddie's in. Otherwise, you know, then my more boring answer is like flight. I wish I could fly I, in my dreams. In my dreams, I can fly, you know. <laughs> now that's <laughs> imagine your Karen moment. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's not it's not all that exciting. She's the one I love the most, though, like in the sense She's of like, the way she looks. She is beautiful and bad. It's so good. I I always look forward to that sequence happening um, when, she, you know, when she becomes her, you know, ultra self or ultimate self, uh, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess if I can look like that, I'm down for that, too. <laughs> I would add that with Taryn, I, I love her. I also feel very drawn to Taryn and I love, I love her, her beautiful and bad moment. And I think that as a, when I first was exposed to this, I was, I was out and as an out teen, um, I didn't feel like I was at my final form yet. You know, I think that Mm. I had a very, I had a really strong awareness that like, I wasn't, I didn't feel beautiful and I didn't feel confident and I didn't feel, um, done yet Mm -hmm. i felt like i I could feel myself all of the all of the distance between me and who my um adult self would be and i think that taryn she has that dream and then you get to see it fully realized and i remember watching that being like fuck you know Mm -hmm. it's so cool to see that um that switch flip and i think especially for um for queer men um around my age or you know just this my generation we didn't have a generation before us because so many of them were lost to aids and um and i don't want to say we didn't have a generation but we have a we have we lost so many people yeah. that mm-hmm. we didn't have the kinds of mentors um available uh it, i it was hard to imagine who i would be i just knew that i wasn't there yet and mm-hmm. so it was cool to be able to see taryn do that you know i think there's a part of me that that's like wish fulfillment when i saw it yeah oh wow i love that oh the power of movies yeah. i just it's so right <laughs> so wonderful you know it's just like, like the reminders of that um just trying to i didn't i didn't have a lot of notes because i'm just like i i just i love this movie there's you know like what you know i, I just want to gush on it and you know we've we've covered pretty much the you know the the, the sort of the important th- you know, those sort of elements of it that make it like work well. Um, I will say, obviously it does, uh, you know, the big thing this film does, it does take Nancy away from us, uh, which I always, it's one of those things I feel like I block out. <laughs> like I always forget like, yeah. that she's gonna, that she dies in this movie. I um, was so surprised. I yeah. was like, Oh my God, what? I, I yeah, honestly, I, didn't yeah. ruin it. <laughs> I was like, I, I could not believe it. Yeah, that's that's the crime of the film. But again, I mean, you know, it's also brave. Like that's why we like these movies because they do. They will kill indiscriminately, and uh, you know, the person you think is the protagonist won't be. You know, Craven loves that kind of thing, and uh, you know, so it is. It's very unnerving in these movies. So to to take Nancy from us, uh, Sam, and it's a good surprise, right? Because it's like the way that it's written, the way it's executed. It's like, I mean. Like you said, it's like every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> it's jarring. Yeah. It's not just like, <laughs> um, you know, watching the new Texas Chainsaw, which I actually liked a whole lot, but watching the new yeah. Texas Chainsaw and being like, why did they bring a final girl back, recast her, and then just to kill her? Just leave her out of it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, we have this thing where we bring, we're going to wheel everybody out right now <laughs> in horror and 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 get them in there. And, and with Nancy, she... I it's one of the very few deaths where I'm like, all right, I get it. I think it was well done. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's, it's a nice arc. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the very few I like. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think it is well executed and, and yeah, a, a surprise and a shock, uh, you know, cause you just really care about her and she's, you know, that she's playing this like 
motherly role, like adult figure who believes the the kids, who who knows what they're going through. Uh, this person she didn't have in the first film. That whole film is about benign parental neglect and and lying to your kids and hiding something that is literally killing them and you still don't like believe them um or tell yeah. them what's happening and so she's playing such an important role and you know something that she needed so again kind of what you're talking about is like you know we hope to be the mentors that we we didn't have you know by by giving young queer people new mm-hmm. um new journeys and new options uh you know so yeah so to have her killed it's just every time it's just it's a bummer plus i really kind i want a heather langenkamp robert england legacy sequel i don't know i don't want them to like rewrite the whole timeline or anything or like erase the films but i don't know part of me is just like i, I want to see that happen <laughs> i want her to have her jamie lee curtis moment <laughs> you know if that's what it took and they just had to go direct sequel to one i take it you know what i mean like go mm-hmm. for it yeah. give me another one that's true <laughs> yeah. Robert England I mean, still got it, it? Yeah, no, seriously. He's great. He was awesome in Stranger Things, like that role he played. Um, yeah, he's just, and again, it's the makeup can pretty much, you know, you get a little bit of leeway with that. So I don't know. I'd like to see it happen. I don't know what the story could be or like how they could do it, but I'll leave that to, you know, I'm sure you could dream up all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see it. Yeah. Um, Joe, you brought up the, uh, Stranger Things. And I also, I think about the new mutants. Did you see that, Sam? The new mutants? I did. Yeah. X-Men film. I was so excited when they first announced that because they kept saying that this was going to be a major influence on it and it's there, but I mean, they could have pushed it a little bit more. Um, I'm just curious about, you know, your thoughts on that. Just as somebody who also loves this sequel. Um, I I thought it was cool that they were trying to... (laughs) (laughs) kind of give us that anytime i see a film kind of nod towards this movie i get excited you know i think it's um and and so it's like that piece was exciting and also that there was a queer element to new mutants awesome um i wish that we got the new mutants we had in that trailer yeah that very first trailer drop that we were all super pumped on that was the movie i think we were all really excited for so it was hard to to see it be something that was so different yeah, um, but but the the elements I like the best were the parts that look like this. So, yeah, yeah same, same. I, I just think there's so much um, in this film that, yeah, it makes sense for it to uh, inspire others. Um, what other are there any other films that really stand out for you that kind of pull from this? You know, I think that there have been I mean, you brought up Stranger Things, and I think that there have been a lot of. Uh, Stranger Things elements, even all the way back to season one that really yeah. pull from this. Um, and I think just even um, when you watch it visually, just the, the I, I don't want to just even break it down to this much, but like the color palette, like the, there are yeah. things that are just this distinctly this hospital in this moment. And I think in a lot of ways, while while I don't know that this is ever a true hospital experience for anybody, right? Like this is like a movie hospital. Right. I think in a lot of ways, it, <laughs> uh, crystallized the way that we look at hospitals in horror like when i was um doing a lot of i was looking at a lot of references for hospital horror for the quiet room and how how different people approached it and you know i do think that after dream warriors it's a lot of dream warriors yeah Mm. at least uh at least you know taking a stab at it i know i know dream warriors was definitely something i um i looked at although you know i wanted to do my best to make it look like the experience i had in person you know right because i think that at the end of the day uh, you're going to get it so much wrong for everybody you can only get the thing right for yourself <laughs> you know truly yeah. to to make sure it works yeah yeah no i love that and i and i think you're very uh, correct. <laughs> it's definitely influential. Um, all right. Well, the last thing I wanted to kind of talk about, this is just for fun. Joe, did you get the pictures I sent you? You, I did. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm going to share them with Sam right now because please. Oh, I'm sure Sam has seen them. Um, I, I, can't I have no idea hasn't. what it is that I'm looking at, but <laughs> um, hold on. Let me send it to Sam and I, this is my literal nightmare. Um, Oh, oh my God. I was just thinking about bringing this up before we stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know I can't. Wow. (laughs) 
Yeah, I've the never seen these pictures. I just meant the scene. So, wow, well, this is incredible. Yeah. So what we're talking about is there's a sequence in the film where uh, it's the first time that they have like a group uh, dreaming sequence. So Kristen like pulls everybody into a dream, but they don't know it. They don't realize it. They're all awake. Um, they, they think they're awake. And uh, Joey wanders off and he throughout the film, it's shown he's got like a crush on this nurse. And, you know, in this sequence, he's dreaming obviously but we don't know it but the nurse like hits on him and it's a whole thing and then she uh you know becomes freddy her tongue like shoots out wraps the guy up you know what i'm talking about so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the um for the listener um so originally they did a makeup on this woman uh, so she is naked uh except for her underwear and she has the freddy krueger makeup on her and this was a sequence that they were going to to film but it was so grotesque that they didn't um and i have from robert england's uh book um i found this like little section where he talks about it so he said that um so the nurse's face morphs into Freddy's, but her topless torso, which features a pair of perfect playboy breasts, remains smooth and inviting. That is for a moment. All of a sudden, the veins in her areolas come to life and turn into Freddy-like burn scars, snake up her cleavage, past her neck, onto her face. This troubling, erotic transformation didn't make the final cut for some reason. <laughs> Occasionally, I find myself signing bootleg stills from the missing sequence, uh, especially in Europe. Ooh la la. <laughs> and it is probably one of the most disturbing like makeups if you've seen it now i'm gonna post these i don't know i can can i post these on instagram i don't even know what the rules are anymore twitter is just straight porn anymore so i don't know what we can and can't post True. but um i am gonna share these photos somewhere uh so that you dear listener <laughs> if you have not had the delightful opportunity to see this beautiful woman in this terrifying uh situation anyway so sam you were gonna bring it up too what what uh well, what made you think about it because I, you know, we, t I've heard a lot of folks talk about uh, Freddie being a good example of horror drag, right? Like Freddie is a drag yeah. queen, essentially. Like he's Absolutely. always like that character is that character. But then we see different incarnations, just like we see Alaska as we know who Alaska Thunderfuck is, but then Alaska as another character on stage. Um, yeah. I don't know why I was thinking about Alaska as cats when she did scats. Amazing, by the way. Um, <laughs> but it's like there's always one more layer to it. And in this sequence, there's something explicitly queer about Freddie and choosing. He always gender never stops Freddie from how he presents himself, right. even when interacting with a character in a sexual way. And, uh, and, and Freddie can just flip his presentation, you know, and, and I know that he is the villain, right? So it's not necessarily a positive thing, but it's good seeing, like I, his hit that the fluidity in which he can um, transform is something that is always like that's always drawn me to him as a as a villain as a creature. Um, but also, the thing I think I always the thing I I've zeroed in on uh, at least at an earlier age was Joey and being seen mm, in that yeah. moment. So like, what happens you know for the viewer or the listener? <laughs> um, but when Freddie is. Uh, tricking joey he's doing it by presenting as a nurse that joey had a crush on and she comes to him and she's like i noticed you you yeah. know and like they, i want you and i think again being a queer teen with a secret part of myself it's like wishing that people could see that that i had desire too um right. that i was desirable those are things that i think um we get a little bit later than straight people in a lot of cases and so seeing that sequence happen for joey i was like oh if this had been me and that was like some hot nurse i'd be dead as fuck like a hundred percent right yeah so no totally <laughs> we've talked about that before because you know when we talk about like um people were talking about Dahmer, and it's like you know he was kind of cute if he would have hit on me in a bar i would have probably been dead <laughs> So I get, I understand what you're saying. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyways, I just, I had sent those pictures to Joe cause I forgot to mention it uh, when we watched it together. And I just wanted, I needed him to have that experience too. The, the way that I flung my phone <laughs> across the room, I was like, what <laughs> in God's name? Because you don't send me shit like that. And, and I was like, what am I looking, what am I looking at? Is this yeah. from the book? 
Is these no, these they're the they're book? available online. You can find stills okay. online. Um, I think there are even better ones, but I just there was something about the way she's leaning over in those photos that's really just <laughs> adds a or the one photo it just adds a it's just delightful. So and again, that juxtaposition of just like horror and eroticism and you know stuff that you know it is just very you know present in horror in general. Uh, it's just it works really well in this film, and I wish that it was in there mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know uh i wish that the cut i i think the footage is probably lost or something because i've never seen any footage of it that i can think of but yeah. i don't know maybe go for a dive on the internet for it so all right any last stray thoughts about uh dream warriors i, I i'm really I, i'm also we have our where we record right is the West Craven Memorial Library. I feel like that means that we should have we should be watching a ton of Craven <laughs> works, and I think this is. I, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we've done the whole. Uh, what's the fancy word? The oeuvre. The oeuvre. <laughs> the oeuvre. <laughs> um, I, sorry, I I took the SATs in case you can tell. Um, but I, I just love this, and it's it's interesting to kind of see like to remember the first uh, nightmare and then his departure in the second and like how this like adds on, but is still like relates more to one than it does to two. Like, that's really cool to see that. Like I've always known that like directors are a big, like directors, um, their vision is really powerful, but just even with this to see that. And then Sam, what you said about how like from, from from a color standpoint, from just like the references that are uh, in Stranger Things that are immediately referencing Dream Warriors, like it t- completely makes sense. I mean, they it it factors a lot in in Stranger Things four, but seeing those L, uh, parts of it and bits piece of it from the uh, since the beginning is really really cool, and you can the reverence that the fandom has for this film is just is amazing and um i'm glad to be a part of it now glad to have be a part of it now yay i love that yeah wes craven is yeah he's i mean yeah hard to even discuss his influence it's so wide-reaching um though just a reminder he did not direct this chuck russell directed it but he did write it um and oh and something else which we'll talk about when we do new nightmare um his original pitch was like a meta thing where freddie was like haunting the set of a nightmare on elm street film so it's interesting oh, that cool. they rejected that but then when it came back um at least that was something i think i read in uh robert's book that that was hit that wes's original pitch uh but then it uh you know they didn't like it i guess but thankfully we got new nightmare, but we'll talk about that soon, Joe. <laughs> Did you know that that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street two came out first? Um, it came out before Nightmare on Elm Street one in the UK. So then that means they must they would have gotten two, then one, then three. What an incredible ride that would have been! Just <laughs> yeah. keep, you know what I mean? Like yeah. going from one straight into three and having that be your sequel. Yeah, what a world. Well, and that's what actually that was something else I read in Robert's book that actually helped the the franchise because after two in the U.S., you know, with the conversation around it, they weren't really sure a way forward. But it had major success in the U.K. both the first two, and so it just like really yeah. inspired them. Like, oh yeah, we have to keep this going. Uh, so, and I'm glad. I'm really glad to at least to have this film um so Definitely. all right yay well sam thank you again tell people where to find you um and we'll link me, uh, we'll link your podcast and all go ahead sorry cool <laughs> um no i'm i'm at sam wyman uh on twitter and instagram and um i'm also raising money for aids life cycle which is linked in both my twitter and my instagram so you can uh go there and check it out cool Yes, yes, thank you. I, I had had that. I was like, I have to mention that. So I'm glad you did. No, no, I'm definitely, cool. definitely going to no, put the information. <laughs> how long are you? you? I appreciate we, it. Um, how, for how long are you raising money until the until it happens? So, are you just yeah, kind of what's kind of cool. So we're Go we ahead. actually we're, we raise money all year. Um, all, all the, so just for those who don't know, AIDS Lifecycle um, benefits the Los Angeles LGBT Center as well as the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, and they help fund you know life saving services that are offered to our communities there. Uh, in, in both cities. And uh, and so we start fundraising, you know, in the fall and we go all the way until the ride, which is in June. 
But I do my primary fundraising that you guys have seen has been in December because I always do it with a holiday music fundraiser where I like record a holiday mm-hmm. album. And then if you donate anything, um, any amount, then you get the holiday album. So um, you can donate any time all year. But that's my uh, December fundraiser. But listen, if you want that music, you just message me. <laughs> it it's delightful. It is. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yes. You definitely you you have a uh, a, a beautiful love of the holidays and a, a really good way of translating uh, them. So, all righty. Well, thank you as always for listening. And Joe, good night. Good night. Sweet dreams, everyone. School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.